0: Uh, Kia ora everyone, I'm Andrew Whiteside and today I'm talking with New Zealand filmmaker Justin Pemberton about his new documentary called Capital in the 21st Century. The film is an adaptation of the best-selling book of the same name by Thomas Piketty and it's an exploration of how capitalism impacts our world and is creating inequality that ultimately affects all of us. Justin Pemberton, really good to see you again. It was about a year ago that I interviewed you very briefly about this film, Capital in the 21st Century, And uh, I remember you telling me that it was the biggest project you'd done to date. So are you still feeling that way?
1: Oh, yeah. It's epic. I mean, it took three years all up, really. I started writing it when I was still in post-production on Chasing Great and even still doing some shooting and also in the background finishing another project, I Spy, um, the interactive film I did. And so, yeah, it was something that, I started working nights, weekends, early mornings on my commute <laughs> um, writing it. And that was March 2016, so now here we are, July 2019.
0: <laughs> it's yeah. finally coming out.: That's extraordinary. And of course you based it on the book, which itself was massive. So how did you take a complex book like that and make a film? Well, the book, the book is, an economic, is an economic
1: textbook, and it's 700 pages, um, and it's only in hardback, but it did go to number one on the New York Times bestseller list, and that's actually where it grabbed my attention, which was way back in 2013, and I bought a copy of it, and was surprised when I started reading it that it really was quite dense economic theory. Um, the magic in the book for me was he starts every chapter and in every part with these great stories about capital and it might be a story about Pride and Prejudice and Jane Austen or you know the mines in South Africa or something and it's kind of that's where the magic is that makes you start to see it as a movie um, and Matthew Metcalf had also read the book and um, was in touch with Thomas saying this could be a film, this could be a film and when I heard about that, I got. In touch with him and Matthew Metcalf, yeah, being the producer. Yeah, sorry, Matthew Metcalf, the producer of the film. Yeah, um, he pursued it, um, and he he kind of saw the same thing. I think what's really interesting me, Matthew, and Thomas are all the same age, um, and so we, you know, all saw the world change together in the same way. You know, the, fil- the film opens with the fall of the Soviet Union um, and the sort of and fall of communism, and that sort of was a unique thing to be able to. To live through when you're 18, mm-hmm. and to sort of start just when you are having a political awareness, and 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 it was like the world was changing. Um, and one of the big goals of the film is actually to show how the world has changed and that it will change again. You know, because um, with our our lifespans being so short, I think we
0: often don't look much beyond it. But the film travels 400 years of capital, so. And that's quite powerful, isn't it? Because I think one of the things is for our generation and probably our parents' generations that we've kind of lived in a bubble where there was expanding democracy, there was expanding wealth for the, for the middle and lower classes. But throughout human history, the idea of elites who controlled everything was the norm. And it seems to be going back to that. Yes, and that's exactly the the whole
1: theory of the film and of, and of Thomas's book and his work is he expanded out capitalism and studied it from the beginning of the industrial revolution when capital in many ways was set free it was no longer just your land you know um and and what he noticed was that small period after after two world wars and the Great Depression, where suddenly the middle class bloomed and social mobility was possible, and education and hard work could finally get you to the top. you know that was an aberration in capitalism. it's not been its natural state um and from the 1980s there's it has been steadily deregulated and unpicked in a way that is starting to reproduce those social hierarchies again and that's kind of the warning that that's where we're heading And, and capital is the thing that's gotten in the way of a lot of social progress nowadays the things that we're wanting to address like tax havens,
0: housing prices,
1: climate change you know
0: do you think that this is a deliberate strategy by those people who are in power or is it they're simply doing what humans do and that is to take advantage of i don't think it's that organized i think it's
1: instinctive i think it's you know there is a scene in the film with a psychologist who's done a monopoly experiment which is um kind of incredible really where he rigs the game and he they know you know it's rigged the people they don't know each other and he just starts judging their interactions and it's been replicated thousands of times this experiment and the person that is the rich person the rich player who's getting three times as much money rolls two dice instead of one everything starts behaving differently every single time they start to see the same patterns and they never attribute their inevitable success in this rigged game to the rigging of the game so it's kind of as he concludes our we're kind of predisposed in some kind of perverted way to see having more of something to being equated to being better than other people. You know, I mean, the reason we can't fix tax havens is quite simply because rich people like them and it works for them. But in the same way, the aristocracy never used to pay tax, you know, in the 1800s. So it's, these patterns are not new, uh, but I don't think that it's quite so uh, calculated in the sense of a real organized conspiracy.
0: That's kind of reassuring <laughs> in a way, but at the same time, ignorance and, you know, failing to see our patterns of behaviour can be just as bad as something that's, that's definitely organised. The one gift we have nowadays is archive, you
1: know, and previous generations. I mean, there has been there have been books and things. And that's why Thomas draws on works with people like Jane Austen, which at the time were credited with being the first sort of realism in writing as much as it might seem amazing today. But um, you know, now we have film, and we have documentary, and we have all these things, so we will see more and more of how these patterns are, are repeating, and, and that, that's one of the goals of the film.
0: I wanted to read you something that was uh, on one of the blurbs about about the film, and it says um, Pemberton's documentary exposes the fraud at the heart of global economics, the popular assumption that the accumulation of capital runs hand-in-hand hand with social progress. So there's, there's two things there. One is the fraud element, and the other one is that capitalism is not... About altruism, there could be people who are capitalistic who have altruistic values, but the the system itself isn't so I wonder if, if you had any thoughts about just unpicking that sentence with two things that that the possibly first the fraud aspect i mean is that something that you definitely have experienced uh, seen while you 've been putting this together
1: I think that the fraud aspect is relating more to the this sort of this toxic idea that capital that capitalism is in some way um, has been pitched to us as relate as it relates to social progress, like which that. is not the case. I mean, one of, one of the most amazing examples I think about nowadays is we think of capitalism as somehow being somehow being linked to democracy, right. you know, because right. you think about communism, but now we have a communist capitalist country in China that shows that capitalism has nothing to do with democracy. In fact, what the film proposes is that capitalism is actually getting in the way of democracy because capital is now the tail that's wagging the dog of politics, particularly in America. Um, where you know, things like the BP oil spill, you know, why did we have that? It was because BP were writing the drilling regulations for deep-sea drilling. You know, I mean, it's, it's got to that kind of ridiculousness. I mean, why can't we solve climate change? It's, again, it's because of lobbying. If you look at what happens in Australia, every time a, a Prime Minister of either
0: party tries to deal with climate change, they get rolled. You know? So, so that's, the, that's the fraud. So, so let's talk about the, the particular challenges that you faced in making this. And uh, we were discussing before I press record, you were talking about some of the, the, you know, the use of imagery, the, those challenges. But the actual challenge of putting this together and making a narrative over something that I guess on one level is quite simple, but it's also quite complex... Well, there was lots of
1: ironies in making this film because the film itself has become an expensive piece of capital. <laughs> and to make the film, one of the things I, I really wanted, which, which me and Matthew talked about right at the start, that Thomas was definitely up for, was this idea of how capital is portrayed through pop culture, through songs that go back hundreds of years, through books like Jane Austen, but also nowadays in The Simpsons and in Family Guy. and stuff. So I wanted all of that. You know, I definitely wanted to use royals by Lord, you know, and we do. She cleared it. So that was good. But we had to get permission. So there was suddenly, there was a lot of money going to pay for intellectual property, for licensing rights, for, you know. So when we did interviews with people, you know, we'd find that we'd have to pay you know, a hell of a lot of money to sit down someone in a sort of window in New York City so you could look over the skyline or something, but you wouldn't be paying the person for the interview because you don't in the documentary, you know, because it's not scripted in that sense. But you start to realise how, you know, so there was a lot of ironies, I think, that I noticed pretty quickly that we were, you know, involved in a real capital game ourselves.
0: Has, has it changed you in any way in doing this? Has it
1: I, I was thinking about this the other day. I think what it has, it's sharpened my focus. Because these are things I was about anyway. But I—but I, what was the magic for me was being able to then go and find these amazing thinkers f- from all over the world that was, were chosen with Thomas. He named some, I named some. We sort of, we chose the list together. Um, and then go, go and meet them and be able to talk to them about it. And that was what was incredible. Um, i tell you what was most... Surprising though was the complete consensus. And I talked to Francis Fukuyama, who is a sort of famous neo um, conservative, you know, who wrote The End of History, who believed that liberal democracies will last forever and go the way forward. He's changed his ideas a little bit, quite a lot, and mostly because of capital. But you wouldn't say that he is in any way on the sort of much more sort of socially left Thomas Piketty's sort of spectrum. Talked to the editor of the the US editor of the Financial Times, you know, and she was very clear talking about the elites and how elites control everything. I was sort of surprised to hear that language from her. Um, the former chief economist of the IMF, who talked about the quiet coup, which he called the bailouts of two thousand and eight, where Wall Street had taken over policy. Um, you know, these were amazing conversations to be able to have. They definitely sharpen your your focus in terms of what's going on, but they are surprising because. It's surprising to hear such consensus from people with such different backgrounds.
0: I uh, recently saw 2040 at a preview, of course, which is about climate change and one man's journey through that. And um, I found my cynicism melting away a little bit by his enthusiasm and his optimism about what is possible if we actually are willing to do something about it. So I wonder... uh, do you see the film and yourself being optimistic or pessimistic about what is
1: possible? What we wanted to do with the film was structure the answers through the film. So when we talk about uh, talk about tax havens, there is a solution of how you can solve it. Very early on when Thomas talks about the failure of the French Revolution, he talks about why it failed. So there are all the answers that are embedded through the film. Um, I think when we get The film travels through time, so it starts in the 1700s and ends in 2100-something, so it spans 400 years. When we get to the end, we are showing you that dystopian 18th-century possible future that he has warned about. Um, But the positivity or the hope comes from the fact that we've shown that things can change. They haven't always been like this. They don't have to be. This is more. a warning call. Um, So is it ultimately going <laughs> to leave you feeling positive I think it's dark but it's not depressing and I think that was kind of the magic I was looking for because I think that these are kind of there is a darkness around and I don't think we should we, we, we should sort of pretend it's not there um, but it, but it's not depressing there's a lot of energy in it and there's a lot of energy in, in darkness and I think you know the film itself um, has a lot of it, it has a lot of pop culture in it and it, it has um you, you know there's solidarity in the fact that you can see the art and the works and the the voices of many people that see the same thing
0: i guess there's something really therapeutic though as well about being quite honest about a situation it may be shocking we may have a reaction to it but actually isn't it better to know and 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 also think about um it's also a personal thing for all of us because all of us want a good life and we all want to buy things, and we all, but at some point we have to recognise that there is a cost to that. Well, I mean, that's so true. The
1: one thing is that changing our relationship with capital would benefit 99.9% of the world's population. It is so few people that are actually going to be worse off. You know, these are creating... Our current relationship is creating worse outcomes for most people, and the, one of the alarming statistics that is in the film, is that um, two-thirds of people in developed economies are now on track to be poorer than their parents. I mean, that's a complete reversal of what happened after World War II.
0: That was Justin Pemberton talking about his documentary Capital in the 21st Century. A fascinating look at how our existing economic system has the potential to make most of us much poorer. The film has screenings in the New Zealand International Film Festival and is one that I think everybody should see if they can.